The scripture is Isaiah 52, verse 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. I noticed in the paper Friday that it was time to sign up for the rock and roll marathon. Didn't we just have it? Thousands of people came, but apparently there's an early sign-up period that ends March the 31st, same day as Renovari, by the way. And I got to thinking about the marathon and about the start of the marathon, not the one in San Antonio, but I'm talking about the start years and years ago. Apparently, it was about 490 years before Christ. And the Persians were involved in wars with the Greeks. And they had attacked Greece. And the Athenians were looking for help. So they sent a runner, a professional runner. His name was Pheidippides. And they sent him to Sparta. And he ran to Sparta to ask for help. And then he ran to the plains of Marathon where a major battle was being fought between the outnumbered and overwhelmed Greeks and their Persian enemies. Much to his surprise... The Greeks won the battle there on the plains of Marathon. So Pheidippides ran 40 kilometers, slightly over 26 miles, from the plains of Marathon to Athens to bring them the good news. He came into the city, gave the sign for victory, the thumbs up, said in Greek, we have won, and fell down dead. And you think about his story, and you might be tempted to ask, well, why didn't he just walk? Would have been safer... But the problem was this, not far from Athens, anchored outside the city were Persian ships with the rest of the Persian army there, ready to receive surrender from the outnumbered Athenians. At the sign of surrender, they would have disembarked, they would have come into Athens, and the men would have been killed, the women would have been assaulted, the children would have been made into slaves. Had they given up? Had they surrendered, had they thought all was lost, it would have been a matter of death in one way or another for everyone concerned. So he ran to bring the good news, and the Greeks could have surely said of Pheidippides, how beautiful are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. Now Israel, in the situation that Janet described to the children, was also in desperate need of good news. They were in exile. They'd been captured by the Babylonians, who would later fall to the Persians. And the Babylonians had made them slaves, had carted them off to Babylon. But before that, they had sacked and torn down and destroyed the Jerusalem temple, the house of God. So there, as slaves in exile, they were in deep despair and darkness. The only message they could draw was that there was no hope, that apparently the Babylonian god Marduk was greater than the god Yahweh, the god of the universe. And they were tempted to give in, not just physically, but to give up their faith as well. The situation is perhaps best reflected in the 137th Psalm, where the psalmist from Babylon writes, By the waters of Babylon we sat down and wept. How can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? How difficult it was. It reminds me of a situation I read about years ago. young German uh, pastor who would later become a theologian that many of us who went to school in the 70s and 80s would read. His name was Helmut Tillicke. 
And it was his first church uh, living there in Nazi Germany. And so he announced a Bible study to be held in the basement of the church. And at his very first Bible study, three people showed up, all women, all over 75. And they sat there in the basement as he got ready to begin the Bible study. And then he heard the sound of marching feet. He went to the basement window to look out on the street there and saw on the street hundreds and hundreds of young people not going to Bible study, but dressed up in uniforms with their jackboots. They were young, fit, and eager. They were the Hitler youth. And he looked at his three women, and he looked at the hundreds of Hitler youth, and he concluded that all was lost. There would never be a time or a chance for peace. He needed good news. Now, the times in which we live are not as serious as that, but it's a time in which good news could certainly be um, useful to people. And the current economic uh, crisis that is in the world and in our country, it has provided an amazing opportunity for psychologists and sociologists to again begin to study the effects of stress on people. don't know if you saw this in Thursday's USA Today, but they talked about a lot of the indicators of mental stress in the United States are going up. And they find that the incidence of uh, attempted suicides are up. Uh, They find that um, uh, the incidence of people reporting heart disease, depression, they're up. They're finding people returning to smoking who had given up smoking. And then they did an interesting survey. I don't know how they determined this, but they said for Americans in 2008, the 10 least happy days of the year all occurred in the last quarter. I don't know how they determined that, but clearly we are people who could use some good news. And so it's not surprising that when we get a bit of good news, there is a response. Friday, the bit of good news was, well, GM isn't going to require right now all the billions in loan that they might get. So the stocks go up. Thursday, the day before that, apparently Citibank turned a slight profit. Stocks way up. People hanging on any bit of good news. And even that miraculous landing by Captain Sullerberger, remember that in the Hudson River, saved hundreds of people, certainly from death. But the response to Sullenberger over the last month has been as if he was the first man to walk on the sun and survive. People's response has been overwhelming. And it's not just because of the wonderful thing that he did, the miraculous nature of that event, but I think people just thirst For any good news, tell me again about this. You mean they didn't die? When things are so dark around us, any bit of light is appreciated and people are pulling the curtains open as far as they can to get any glimpse. You see, people fight battles. It's not just the economy. There are all sorts of other battles that go on in people's lives. I mean, in in people's lives, they, they battle death death of loved ones. They, they battle the illness of, of aging parents. They battle the joblessness of their children. They battle criticism, real and imagined, and hyperactive pets. And that's just my life. We all have that. Any bit of good news would be helpful. Now, here's the good news about all that. You have the good news. You are the one who can have beautiful feet. You have the best news of all that the, the, the enemy that seems strongest, the enemy that seems most unyielding in our life, in our world, death, has been conquered. 
You have the good news that your God reigns over death. And people need to know that. They need to know that even though they face battles on a daily basis, the war has already been won. Do you remember that guy? Um, I think they found him like 15 years ago or so, the Japanese soldier on a deserted island in the Pacific who didn't know World War II was over. They had to capture him to give him the good news. The war's over. He was still fighting the battles. But the war was done. I'm reminded of the classic uh, story that um, a couple decades ago about a man who had cancer that ran in his family, and they found a tumor. And they biopsied the tumor and sent him home while they sent the biopsy off to be read. And in the intervening time between the biopsy and the time it was read, fearing cancer, he took his own life. You probably know the rest of the story. The biopsy came back. The tumor, of course, was negative. But he didn't have that word. He didn't have the good news. And so he quit. And people all around us are in danger of quitting. And you have the good news about a God who reigns. About a God who's victorious over even death itself. Now, of course, death is not the only issue that people face in our day. I'm reminded of the classic story Robert Louis Stevenson. He was dying of malaria in the Canary Islands. And the priest sent word to Stevenson and said, Mr. Stevenson, may I come visit you as a man in danger of dying? And he sent word back to the priest, you may not, but you may visit me as a man in danger of living. And what we find in our world, for a lot of people, it's not death they're worried about. It's the fact that they're afraid they're going to wake up tomorrow morning, still be alive, and nothing will have changed. And what good news do you have for them? Well, you have some. You have another piece of good news, not just God's final and ultimate victory over death itself. You have the good news of the fact that you're still standing that you're still moving forward in life, that in a world of despair, you still have hope, that in a world of darkness, you still see glimmers of light. You see, what people around you need is your story. They need to know why you're still going on, why you still keep your head up, why you still have hope, and you have that to offer them. The great bishop of uh, India years and years ago, D.T. Niles, once said that sharing the good news was simply one beggar telling another where they found the crumbs. And you've found some, and there's a world hungry to know why there are people who still keep going on forward, positively walking the life of faith. And so what you need to know for your good news is your story. What is it that the power of Jesus Christ has done in your life? What helps you get up in the morning and make it through the day? What helps you take the next step forward and look to the future and not simply pine the past. Was it about you that makes that possible? That's what the people around you need. They need your feet to go to them. They need your good news. And there's another piece of good news that you have that you can offer. So often when we are overwhelmed by stress or we're overwhelmed by grief through loss, it makes it very hard to see the world and see what's happening anymore. We're, we're like the um, proverbial person who is stuck in the middle of the trees and can no longer see the forest. Sometimes it's helpful for somebody who's a few feet back or a little bit higher, who's got a perspective, who can see things that we can't see in the midst of our pain. And that's what you can offer. When someone has suffered a loss in the job, perhaps you can see perhaps how it might work out. Maybe you knew of their unhappiness in their job. 
Or maybe you know of some creativity and potential that they have that now they are free to explore. Or maybe you know a place where they can find help and assistance. You can offer what they cannot see. Perhaps you know someone who suffered a tragic loss in their life. But maybe you could see that in the year before she died, she turned her life around. Then the year before she died, she started to spend time with the people she claimed to love, but had always neglected before that time. Maybe you see that, but the grieving person can't see it. The thing that amazes me about this church time and time again as as, as I uh, and the other pastors minister in the midst of tragedy are the ability of our people to find the rays of light in the darkness, to find messages of hope, in the middle of despair, to be able to get a picture of a God who moves and works in ways that oftentimes are hidden from the grieving and stressed out eye. And that's what you have to offer, a perspective on God who is alive and moving even in the midst of difficulty. I think sometimes that we believe our job as Christians is to go out and eliminate every uh, terrible thing in the world and every place of ugliness make it beautiful and every place of despair uh, make it radiant with hope. And, and I hope that we can, can move toward that. But I also wonder if Isaiah teaches us that sometimes it's our ability not to eradicate the evil because maybe it just can't be eradicated right now, but to be able to point to the good in the midst of it and not to eliminate the ugliness of a situation, but to be able to see the beauty in the midst of it. Sometimes it's our perspective to see God where no one else can see God that is most needed by this world. The feet of one who knows that our God reigns. The feet of one who knows why they are still moving forward when others have quit and they're sticking now to the past. The feet of one who can see God and light in the midst of pain and darkness. Those are the feet that are needed. You'll remember long before Tom Hanks and Castaway, uh, the story of a man who was shipwrecked on an island, and as far as he knew, there were no other survivors, but fortunately, pieces of the ship came on to the island, and some even provisions. So with the pieces of the ship, he erected a makeshift dwelling, and this dwelling protected him from the rain. It protected him from the sun's rays. It even gave him warmth on an occasional cool evening. He ran through the food provisions and soon had to scramble around the island for coconuts and whatever else he could find. Well, one day, when he was on a foraging mission in the morning, he saw smoke. He ran back toward his makeshift dwelling, and to his great dismay, the place where he found safety, security, shade, and warmth had gone up in smoke. It had caught fire. He buried his hands in the sand of the of the beach and said, I'm lost. It's over. My security, my dwelling place, it's gone. And he fell asleep. Some hours later in the afternoon, he woke up and rubbed his eyes, looked out to sea as he often did. And he saw not only a ship in the distance, but he saw a dinghy, a small boat making its way with two men in it to the island. They got on the island. They came and he ran toward them and he said, how did you know I was here? I thought I would never be rescued. I figured I would just be out here and die of exposure. And they looked at him a little bit puzzled and they said, well, we saw your smoke signal. What we need in this church, in this world, are people who see smoke signals and respond and go and help 
But we also need people who are able to stand back and look at the flame of someone's life and understand that that may indeed signal help that will soon be coming. We need people with beautiful feet.